0: رأيتهم, and when you were to see them, meaning the hypocrites, تُعجبك تُعجبك, It would please you, it would amaze you. أَجْسَامُهُمْ Their bodies. أجسام, plural of jism. Meaning their physical appearance is very impressive. Very impressive. Their physique, their build, their health, the way they dress up, the way they carry themselves. تُعْجِبُكَ أجسامهم. Why? Because their entire focus is on what? On themselves. On their bodies. On their physical appearance. يقولوا, and if they were to speak, تسمع, you would listen to their word. If they start talking, you would actually listen to what they say. Why? Because their words seem to be very appealing, very convincing, very eloquent. They know how to talk. They use very impressive words. Their manner and style is very convincing, very eloquent, such that you would listen on. Or that you'd fall for it very easily. You could get convinced by their speech, by their lies. Because they lie so confidently. You see, when a person is lying, there is a level of hesitation, some nervousness. But here is a person who is saying, Wallahi! You know, so confidently they're talking. And they're using such big words, نَشْهَدُ إِنَّكَ لرسولوا. How can you not believe that person? How can you not listen to them? تَسْمَعْ So here, their physical, their outward, their external is being described. That their external is very impressive. Their body, their clothing, their manner of speaking, the words they use, very impressive. So much so that you would never find any fault in it. However, in reality, what are they? Kaannahum Musannadah, as if they were pieces of wood that are musannada that are propped up. Khushub is the plural of the word خَشَب, which is used for dry pieces of wood. And musannadah from seen dal Sunud is to support something. Masnad is a place of sitting. Right? And musannad is that which is supported against something so for example if a person is sitting against a wall leaning against a wall this is what musannad so khushub musannada like a piece of wood or pieces of wood that have been propped up against something what does this mean that they are so weak and hollow inside that they cannot even sit without reclining they appear to be physically strong, physically very able, perfect bodies, well dressed in every way. But on the inside, they're so hollow and weak and empty, faithless, that they don't even have the strength to sit up straight. This example is very profound. We'll discuss it in a moment once we complete the ayah. Allah says, "Yahsabuna." They think... كُلَّ صَيْحَةٍ alayhim That every shout is against them. They're so weak on the inside that they think that every loud cry is against them. Meaning inside they're cowards. Inside they're guilty. So every time there's a noise, they think, oh, something's gonna come and harm them. Every time there's a shout, there's a call for battle or for a conflict, they think it's gonna harm them. They're so cowardly inside. Humul <laughs> adubu, Allah says, these people in reality are the enemy. <laughs> so be careful. Be cautious of them. May Allah <laughs> destroy them. Anna From where are they deluded? How are the hypocrites described here? Their entire attention is on the external. Their looks, how they appear, how they sound, how they will be perceived. So they use their words and their appearance to leave a good impression on people. But if you think about it, what is it that truly leaves a good impression on people? Is it your appearance? What is it? It's your actions. Isn't it? I mean, yes, we remember what somebody was wearing. We remember what they said. But what we truly remember is the experience we had in engaging with them. How they made us feel. Isn't it? how they interacted with us, or we remember their actions. And it's so amazing how children, they won't even notice what somebody is wearing. They won't even notice what somebody is saying. What they'll remember is the actions that somebody did in front of them. So the entire focus of the hypocrites is on the external. So they use words, they use their appearance to leave an impression on others. But it doesn't work. Allah describes them as propped up pieces of dry wood. What does this mean? We learn different things from this description, from this parable that's given here. You see, propped up piece of wood, a piece of wood, what is its function? What is its purpose? It's supposed to be turned into a table, or a support, right, for a table, for a piece of furniture, a beam in the wall, a pillar somewhere, But if a piece of wood has been propped up against a wall, what does it mean? What does it mean? It's worthless. It's not really serving any good purpose. Because it's so weak that it cannot be used for anything, so it's just sitting there. right? It's idle, it's useless, it's worthless. So first of all, it shows their worthlessness. That they're no good even though they may have the best bodies and the most eloquent tongues, but they're worthless, they're no good. Because they're not producing anything. They're not helping. They're not creating any positive change. What good is your body if you don't use it to produce something beneficial? What good is your eloquent tongue or eloquent way of writing if you're not using it to create some positive change in the world? What good are you? So they're worthless. Secondly, what this also shows is that dry wood, hmm? dry wood, piece of wood, does it grow? Does it grow? No. The believer is described as a tree, isn't it? In Surah Ibrahim, and the Prophet also gave this example. Right? that the believer is like a date palm tree, growing, producing, giving shade. But a hypocrite is described over here as a dry piece of wood, dead, devoid of any moral sense, not useful at all. Another benefit that this parable gives is that piece of wood that is propped up. Right? It shows their pride. It shows their arrogance. Because this kind of wood, it doesn't bend. Does it? It cannot bend. A fresh piece of wood, right? a branch or something, a stick that has been taken off of a tree, you can bend it. But this dry piece of wood, you cannot bend it. So it shows their arrogance and their stubbornness. They don't bend. And it shows how, you know, musannadah propped up against the wall. What does that show? That they think very highly of themselves, that they're important, so they should be propped up. But they're like dry wood, hollow and useless from inside. From the outside they look very nice, but inside they're hollow. And then we see that some scholars, what they have said, this refers to the manner in which they would sit in the gatherings of the Prophet ﷺ. They would come just to show that they were there. But where would they be? In the front? Somewhere in the middle? No. Leaning up against the wall. Disinterested. You understand? One is that a person is leaning against the wall because they're not able to sit. Hmm? But if somebody has been granted a healthy body, أجسامهم, So physically fit, but they don't have the strength to sit properly. So they have to go all the way to the back, and then lean against the wall, well, where did your able body go? Where did it go? What happened? Why is it that all our strength is reserved for ourselves? And when it comes to serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we come up with so many excuses. So what is being criticized over here is the manner in which they sat in the gatherings of the Prophet sallallahu You see, in Jumu'ah, in Salatul Jumu'ah, we are not allowed to sit in certain ways. One of the ways in which we're not allowed to sit is like this, that a person is sitting on the ground with their legs up like this, and their hands or their arms wrapped around their legs. You're not allowed to sit in jumu'ah like this. Not at all. When Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ, how was he sitting? Like we sit in tashahud. This is attentiveness. I'm here to take, I'm here to receive. I'm eager to learn. But when a person is sitting with their legs up, right, and their arms around their legs, what does it show? Casual. Isn't it? It's as if a person is sitting in the living room, watching TV. But when you're in the masjid, when you are in the company of the messenger, in the company of a teacher, then what does that mean? We have to be present physically, mentally, in our posture also, eager to learn. Attentive. كانهم خُشُبٌ مُسَنَّدَةٌ They're being criticized over here. And you see someone who thinks very highly of himself, he's described as a dead piece of wood that has been propped up. Where did your strength go? Where did your ability go? And so hollow they are, weak they are, cowardly and guilty conscience they are, that يَحْسَبُونَ كُلَّ صَيْحَةٍ عَلَيْهِمْ They're so weak inside, that every time there's a noise somewhere in the world, they think it's gonna harm them. They think it's going to hurt them. So they keep receding. They keep taking a step back from the way of Allah. Allah says, "Humul aduv. They are enemy. These hypocrites are enemies. Because they're enemies from inside. Fahdharhum. So be careful. Beware of them. They're not loyal to you. So don't share your secrets with them. Do not trust them. Don't be deceived by their external. لهum, and when it is said to them, تَعَالَوْا come. Come, yastaghfir lakum Rasulullah. The Messenger of Allah will seek forgiveness for you. What happened that when these verses were revealed, Abdullah bin Ubay, his crime was exposed. Right? His lying was exposed. It was made clear that Abdullah bin Ubay did say those disrespectful things about the Prophet and about the Muslims. So the people they suggested to him that okay, you made a mistake, yes, you even took an oath, a false oath, but you know what? Why don't you go to the Prophet ﷺ and apologize? And he will seek forgiveness for you from Allah and you know, set the record straight. Get this over with. But what did Abdullah bin Ubay do? He completely refused. He said, No, I'm not going to. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَعَالَوْ يَسْتَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Offer your apologies, clear the matter. The Messenger of Allah will beg Allah to forgive you. What is their reaction? لَوَّوْ رُؤُسَهُمْ They turn their heads aside. لَوَّوْ لَامْ وَاوْ يَا is to twist something, turn it around, bend it or curve it. يَلْوُونَ أَلْسِنَتَهُمْ بِالْكِتَابِ Right? alwa bil kalam is to distort the language to mispronounce words on purpose to give a different meaning all right and over here lawaw ru'usahum this is to bend the head or to turn the head aside or to shake it back and forth you see wa talwiya it shows repetition so what this means is that they shake their head repeatedly marra بَعْدَ marra no way And they go on. You know, for example, you want to say no to somebody, you just shake your head once, you say no. Right? But if you keep going, right, left, right, left, right, left, what does it mean? No way. Don't even ask me. Don't even tell me. لَوْوَوْرُؤُسَهُمْ So they turn their head away, right? Again and again. Why? Because they're not interested in the istighfar of the Messenger ﷺ. No way. And Lawa also shows that they shake their head or they move their head out of mockery. You know when somebody suggests something that you find very silly, you're like, are you kidding me? What do you mean? Are you kidding me? So similarly, No way. We're not going to the Prophet ﷺ. And you would see them. يَصُدُّونَمْ they are evading. Sada To prevent, to restrain. Hmm? So they reject the offer of istighfar. Yasudduna Meaning they reject the offer of istighfar. hum mustakbirun While they're arrogant. They don't like to come to the Prophet ﷺ. They're full of pride. Full of pride. It is said that when Abdullah bin Ubayy was told to go to the Prophet ﷺ and seek forgiveness, he said, you told me to believe, I believed. You told me to offer salah, I have offered salah. You told me to give zakat. I gave zakat. Now you want me to go prostrate to Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Is that what the Muslims suggested? Is that what they suggested? No, they just said go and apologize, and he will ask Allah to forgive you. But he was offended by the suggestion because he had to humble himself before the Prophet sallallahu Saying sorry means admitting. That I was wrong. You are right. I am wrong. And going to the Prophet and requesting him to ask Allah to forgive me, this is what? Again, humbling yourself. He didn't want to do that. Sawa'un 'alayhim. Allah says it is the same for them. whether you seek forgiveness for them, or you do not seek forgiveness for them. Whether you, O Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, seek forgiveness for such hypocrites or you don't, it's the same because la yaghfir Allah will never forgive them. They don't want forgiveness. They're not getting it anyway. Because even if the Prophet ﷺ were to seek forgiveness for them, it wouldn't work. In Surah Al-Tawbah, Ayah 80, Allah says, Istaghfir lahum, awla lahum. In lahum marra, lahum. Whether you seek forgiveness or you don't. If you seek forgiveness even as 70 times for them, Allah will not forgive them. Why? Because no one can help a person who does not want to help himself. If a person does not want forgiveness, then other people seeking forgiveness for them is not going to work. What happened with Ibrahim salam's father? Ibrahim alayhi Khalil Allah, he said, I am going to seek forgiveness for you, my father. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade him from doing that. Because the father himself did not want forgiveness. He did not want it. So if he did not want it, his son's istighfar did not benefit him. The Prophet ﷺ's istighfar would not benefit these hypocrites because they did not want it themselves. I remember recently, I met a sister. I met her a couple years ago and she was having some issues in her marriage. And I recommended a couple of things and I also advised her to go for counseling. So anyway, she went to a marriage counselor and she said that you know after a couple of sessions... The marriage counselor, she said that I can't help you because you don't want to help yourself. So if you want me to help you, you have to be ready to help yourself. So well, this girl actually got very offended. She's like, what kind of a marriage counselor are you? Right? You're supposed to fix my problem. Why are you telling me to fix it? I came to you, so you would fix it. Right? She got really offended. She stopped going. And then she decided to study the Qur'an. And alhamdulillah, now that I met her, completely changed. Completely changed. I asked her if she went back for marriage counseling. She said, no, I didn't have to. Because when she studied the Qur'an, she wanted to help herself. That's why she went to the Qur'an. And when she wanted to help herself, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped her in so many ways. That so many things got fixed automatically. So this is the key. You want to help yourself, only then the things around you can benefit you. If you don't want to help yourself, other people could cry for you. But it's not going to work. So here Allah says, لَن يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ Allah will not forgive them because they don't want to be forgiven. You see, the brothers of Yusuf alayhi salam They did something so terrible. Isn't it? Not once, but many times. In so many different ways. But then what happened? They asked their father in Surah Yusuf Ayah 97, we learn, qalu ya abana istaghfir lana. Oh, our father, seek forgiveness for us. istaghfir lana dhunubana inna kunna khati'een. We have been wrong. So please beg Allah to forgive us. This is the key. No matter what you've done, if you want forgiveness, like the man who committed 99 murders, he wanted forgiveness, and Allah pardoned him. This is the difference. And if a person does not want forgiveness, then nothing can help him. Remember, the believer always wants forgiveness. He admits his mistake. Wanting forgiveness is realizing that we are in need of Allah's pardon. We need to fix things with Allah. We need to fix our matters with Allah. Because we need Allah. And not wanting forgiveness is saying, I don't need Allah. Like Iblis, what did he do? He said, Oh Allah, Rabbi bima أَغْوَيْتَنِيهِ He blamed Allah. He said, You led me astray. I mean, if you think about it, he could have apologized there, isn't it? He could have sought forgiveness. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him that why did you not obey my order, he could have said, Oh Allah, I beg your pardon. But he didn't. He became stubborn over there. And he refused to apologize. And then he blamed Allah. And then look at how far he went in his transgression. And the hypocrites did the same thing. This is why Allah says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الْفَاسِقِينَ Indeed, Allah does not guide the defiantly disobedient people. Who is fasiq? One who crosses limits. The hypocrite does not want forgiveness. Why? Because he is fasiq. He has crossed a limit, and he is not sorry for it. And when he is not sorry for it, then what happens? He keeps on crossing more and more limits. So he's not even given the tawfiq to turn back and repent. Just like Iblis. In surah Tawbah ayah 67, Allah says, Innal humul fasiqun." Indeed, it is the hypocrites who are fasiq, who cross limits. So such people are not even guided to tawbah and istighfar. Humul they are the people who say say, "La tunfiquu. Do not spend على من عند الله upon those who are with the Messenger of Allah. This is what Abdullah bin Ubayy and his friend said, that when we go back, let's not spend anything on the muhajirun. لا تنفقوا, don't spend on them. حتى ينفضوا, until they will disband. Yanfaddu فضى ضد, fadda is basically to break the seal. Break the seal. Think of a wax seal that is dried up. When you will break it, how will you break it? Neatly? No. It's broken to pieces. Right? Even a bottle. There is a seal. Once you break it, then the contents will spill out. They were together, but now they're no longer together. This is fadda. So in fadda is when a group of people scatter, disperse, each goes his own way. So they say, لَا تُنْفِقُوا عَلَى مَنْ عِنْدَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ حَتَّى ينفضوا. All these people who've come into Medina, stop spending on them so that they go away. They'll be forced to leave. Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ ول خَزَائِنُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ To Allah belong the treasures of the heavens and the earth. وَلَكِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يَفْقَهُونَ But the hypocrites do not understand that. These foolish people, they thought that it was money that brought the muhajirin to Medina. Was it money? No, it was iman. It was iman. These foolish people thought that the muhajirin were a financial burden on them. Were they a financial burden? Well, apparently they may have been. However, because of the muhajirin, what happened? The strength of the Muslims, it increased. And that led to more provisions, more victories. More gains, more success. I mean, what was Yathrib before the Prophet ﷺ came? It was nothing. Makkah was special. Ta'if was special. But Yathrib? No significance. Yes, it was fertile land. But there were also other places in the Hijaz that were fertile. Right? What was special about the people of Yathrib? Nothing really. But when the Prophet ﷺ came, Yathrib turned into... Medina. People came to Medina. You know, when population increases, then what happens? I mean, you need more food. You know that there will be more trade. Right? So it's an opportunity for more gain. So, the munafiqeen, they don't understand that. Remember that the munafiq is selfish. He does not like to spend on others. He does not like to spend in the way of Allah. And he discourages others from spending in the way of Allah also. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, two things will not be together in a hypocrite. Good manners and the understanding of religion. These things are not found in a hypocrite. Good manners and the understanding of religion. He doesn't comprehend. لا يفقهون They don't understand. They think they're very intelligent and smart, but they don't actually understand. The Prophet ﷺ, once he said about an individual that I don't think he knows anything of our deen. And who was this man? He was of the hypocrites. And the Prophet said, I don't think he knows anything of the deen. Because if he knew anything, he wouldn't be doing such and such. وَلَكِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ لَا يَفْقَهُونَ You see, sometimes we may feel that because we have to spend on someone, they're a burden on us. But you know what? Their rizq is coming from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not from you. You're not the provider. Allah is sending their rizq through you. Through you. Because it's an opportunity for you to gain some ajr. He could have given it to them through somebody else or through some other means. But He's giving it through you. So don't feel that they are a burden on you. This is an opportunity for you. And realize that they will get what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for them. Through you or through somebody else. Through some other means. So when we have to spend on others, realize that they are not a burden on us. Because Allah is their provider and Allah is our provider also. And it's amazing how sometimes we will hoard things. We will keep them just to ourselves because we don't want to share. We don't want to give to others. But what will happen at the end? We didn't enjoy it. They didn't enjoy it. Because it was for somebody else. And when we kept it with ourselves, we weren't able to use it. You know, for example, you have some dessert. Right? It's a big serving, but you really like it. You don't want to tell your brother about it because if he finds out, he'll want to have it. So then what happens? What happens? You hide it in the fridge, in the refrigerator, basement refrigerator. Right behind something else. And then what happens? You forget about it. And by the time you remember and go and get it, it's covered in mold. Did you get to have it? No. Yes. Um I think it depends on like what perspective we have, because like if we see that, that we're getting is like from Allah that Allah's gifting us then it's not hard to give to other people because we don't see it like materialistic way as like our own but if we see it as our own then it's harder to even spend on ourselves sometimes. Exactly. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. One sister she was sharing uh, about Sadaqa also with me. She was saying this sister uh, from back home they call her and they said you know I don't have money I have a small children please help us and she said Wallahi I don't have she swear. And she have 200 extra with her. And then she went grocery to buy with that 200. And after she came to the cashier, she couldn't find the 200. I think it's dropped down or something. She lost the 200. Astaghfirullah wa All of these treasures belong to who? Allah. So if we're holding something back from somebody, what guarantee do we have that we will use it? We can only use something if Allah allows us. If Allah lets us. Yakuluna de Say La In surely if Rajana we were to return al Medina to the city of Medina, meaning when we get back to the city of Medina, the hypocrite said this on the journey La yukhrijanna Surely he will definitely expel. Who will expel Al the honorable one? The honorable one, the one with more power and honor, is going to expel Minha from it from Medina. Who al the more humble one. What does this mean? Abdullah bin Ubay was implying over here that I am more honourable. And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi is not honourable. So when we go back to Medina, I'm going to set things straight and I'm done. So when we get back to Medina, we're going to get rid of the Muslims. We're going to stop spending on them and these muhajirin are going to be forced to leave. And finally, we're going to drive Muhammad Sallallahu Wasallam out of the city also. لَيُخْرِجَنَّ الْأَعَزُ مِنْهَا الْأَذَلُ Look at this pride. Firstly against the Muslims, and then towards the leader also. Towards the Prophet s.a.w. also. So look at the efforts of the munafiqeen. They're gauged towards ousting the leader, getting rid of the leader. Because the greed is for power. Selfishness, right? Now, Abdullah bin Ubay said this. He actually said this. So what happened? His son, whose name was also Abdullah, right, and kind of shows the pride of Abdullah ibn Ubayy that he named his son after his own name. Although Abdullah is a beautiful name, right? But anyway, his son was a sincere believer. Sincere believer. When he found out, he when they reached Medina, he stood at the entrance of the city of Medina with a sword. And he said, the Prophet ﷺ is more honorable than you are. And you are not allowed to enter the city even until the Prophet ﷺ allows you. If he will allow you, then you will enter. The Prophet ﷺ allowed and only then Abdullah bin Ubay was able to enter the city. We learned that his own son, Abdullah, he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that, I have heard that you want to get rid of my father. It's not true, but he heard these rumors. Because Umar ﷺ asked for permission. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ did not give him the permission. So he went and he said that, I heard that you want to get rid of my father. By Allah, if anyone kills my father, I don't think I'll be able to go around the city of Medina except that I will hurt someone. Meaning, if somebody else kills my father, I won't be able to tolerate that. It will be very hard on me. So, allow me. Allow me to get rid of him. And the Prophet ﷺ said, No. You're not doing that. He is your father, so treat him well. Treat him well. Allah says, Honor belongs to who? Allah, His Messenger, and the believers. But the hypocrites don't know that. They're so foolish, they don't even know. That honor is for who? Allah, who owns it. It is Allah who owns it. He gives it to servants, and He takes it away. And He gives it to who? His Messenger. Those who believe in Him. So let's listen to the recitation.
1: we are وإذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَعَالَوْا the لَكُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ لَوْ وَرُؤُسَهُمْ لَوْ وَرُؤُسَهُمْ وَرَأَيْتَهُمْ يَصْدُونَ وَهُمْ مُسْتَكْبِرُونَ عليهم استغفرت لهم ام لم تستغفر لهم لين يغفر الله لهم ان الله لا يهدي القوم الفاسقين هم الذين يقولون لا تنفقوا على من عند رسول الله حتى ينفضو وَلِلَّهِ خزائن السماوات والأرض ولكن المنافقين لا ones يقولون are the إلى المدينة are الأعز منها الأذل. وَلِلَّهِ العزة ولرسوله ones ولكن المنافقين لا يعلمون.